in the crease. Hello and welcome to this special 30th episode of the Crease Cast, built on recorded on location from Seattle, Washington. Yep, I'm on the road right now. I'm visiting uh, friends, uh, but I brought work along with me because that's how it goes a lot of the time. Um, I'm actually, uh, and I'm re- actually getting the opportunity to record in a cool little sound booth studio thing today, which is really cool. Uh, shout out to the people at uh, Collective. Uh, collective chemistry, which is a like a little startup biz- business that like a communal workspace area for creative people. It's pretty cool that they're letting me use their recordings uh, booth in here. Hopefully, the people who can hear from the recording booth don't mind me doing a podcast. <laughs> don't mind getting a hockey podcast they didn't ask for. Um, let's just. I mean. I mean, we're in Seattle, which is going to get hockey soon, in about, what, a year and a half from now? And uh, it's it's been cool kind of like getting to look around, getting to see the city, and just kind of scouting out places to go during when uh, the Seattle Krakens eventually show up. Yes, we're just going to will that into We're going to talk that into existence. They're the Seattle Krakens, and they will be. Um... And, uh, yeah, I've been getting a chance to look around. Hopefully going to get out to Seattle Center to see the arena uh, construction progress and how that's going. Um, It's a pretty cool little... uh, Yeah, it's been great. It's been fun getting out here uh, 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 during the season, which I haven't gotten to do. I don't do a lot of in-season traveling. Uh, But... Let's just let's just jump into the fact that the, uh, we have a player of the week who is the NHL's third star third star of the week, JT Miller. Three goals, four assists, seven points, and more importantly, he got an Instagram, uh, which I'm going to try and pull up in the meantime. But yeah, JT Miller's had a great week, and a lot of that's due to the fact that he's been playing with. Uh, he and obviously he and Elias Pettersson already have the the long term chemistry that we that's been well established. But it's Jake Vertanen. Jake Vertanen's come in and uh, jumped onto that first line uh, with Miller and Petey, and it's worked out really well, like surprisingly well for ev- for everyone involved. And it's 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 great to see that that uh, Jake Vertanen taking that next step as a player into somebody who's, you know, like there was a lot of talk that his hockey IQ, you know, his hockey IQ isn't where isn't where people expect it to be. We've talked about this I think in the last episode. It's just but he's he's found that he's found that um that chemistry with this on this first line and it's really been a benefit. He's making smart plays, which he hasn't been able to do for long periods of time in his career. So the fact that he's finding this long this well this established line line chemistry and point and offensive talents from the from playing with JT Miller and Elias Patterson is phenomenal to see and JT has been the benefactor of a lot of that but also just making his own luck playing some great hockey at the the uh, he went hard to the net in the first goal against the Islanders on uh, Saturday he played um, in that game he had I think a did he have multiple he had he had he had multiple points in that game. He had an assist he had an assist in that game as well on the overtime winner. He it's just everything seems to be clicking for Vancouver right now. And it's like, you know, talk about just like a long time coming where, you know, everything was all the bad luck, you couldn't couldn't escape it. Now they're actually doing pretty well. So it's nice to see it's nice to see from them that they're having uh that they're having such great success. And yes, JT Miller does have an Instagram now. It's J period T Miller nine on Instagram. Go give him a follow. He's already got nine, almost, almost 10,000. He's almost at 10,000. Go get him over the top there. Um, 
And uh, yeah, the Canucks are coming off a great week. They I mean, they did. The bad news is they had their five-game winning streak snapped against the the Hurricanes on Sunday, uh, but they still got a point out of that game. And they still took it to a shootout and had a and had a good effort. They could have they could have very easily walked away with a victory against a team that's very good in their own right in Carolina. You, they, you, it's really nice to be able to have that confidence in the Canucks that they're going to come back and win games this season. Like, uh, especially even like in the last couple of games against the Islanders and the Hurricanes, there were points where it looked like, okay, or, you know, you could see it maybe going south for them. But now you, I, I know I've got that confidence in the Canucks now that when they fall in it, when they're down in a game, like even if they're going into like the third period without, uh, without points, I'm like, yep, they're going to get this done. They're going to win this. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to find a way to, to get, to steal a victory here. And that's something you can't, you haven't been able to say about the Canucks in a very long time. So it's, it's, it's great to have that confidence in the team again, especially when they're going on the road and playing teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, like the Islanders and like the Hurricanes. It's 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 important that they're getting those points and they're still and they're making games competitive because that's the kind of competitive spirit you're going to get in a postseason uh, against either a Vegas or a Carolina or an Arizona or sorry, a Calgary or an Arizona. It really just does come down to you know, it comes down to that style of play. That's going to dictate uh, what happens, to, what your what your luck is in the playoffs. And the Canucks are doing a pretty decent job of that uh, right now. So it's good. To, it's good to see, even with the game against Carolina, that did end up going against them in the shootout. Because yeah, and you're getting goal scoring from different places than usual. Sorry, I had to take a little sip of water. That was too. I need to. I need to work on my on my breaks there a little bit. Um, you know, um, in a guy who could have been just as much a star this week is is uh, Petey. Because I mean, Petey had two goals against the Hurricanes. Both were phenomenal goals, especially the 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 tying goal in the third in the third period where he had where he just he just threw it off James Reimer's. Uh, the side of James Reimer, like from the long angle on the side of the goal line, it's, it's, it's that those sorts of plays are just so. Or it's you've come to expect from PD, but at the same time they still blow you away every single time he does it. It's, it's, it, it's he's such a game changer for this team. Like, he, what, what more is there to say about? Elias Pettersson at this point. I mean, he's just everything the Canucks could have wanted and more from when they drafted him. It's it's I it's such a great feeling to be to run out of ways to say how great a guy is for this team and especially because he's going to be a Canuck for a very long time. So, it's it's uh it's it's the best. It's the best feeling in the world, you know? It's the best feeling having this game-changing player which um, you know, especially coming right off of the Sedins and all these great players who've Light suited up for the Canucks. I don't know if we've had a guy like Elias Pettersson who could just do everything the way he does. It's it's so great. And, it, and yeah, he he matched Andre Svechnikov in the Hurricanes game. Like he matched him. He matched him point for point there in that game. And Svechnikov had a great goal of his own in the third period. Like the Hurricanes are one of those teams that I've talked about before. Um, are a t- are t- is a team that I love to watch if the Canucks aren't playing. If the like I have my groups, I have my groups of teams that I love to I love to watch if the if um, yeah if the Vancouver's not if Vancouver's not playing. Like Carolina's one of them. Uh, I also look at teams like Toronto and Nashville and Vegas. Nashville a little less. Nashville's falling a little bit behind. Florida's pretty high up there. T- 
teams that are like interesting that play an interesting and entertaining style of hockey. Um, Carolina is one of the most is probably the most entertaining team in the NHL right now. Not just because of the storm surge, not just because of Sebastian Ajo, just because of like their whole lineup is entertaining. They play a great style of hockey that's so fun to see. And when you get a game like you got between Vancouver and the Hurricanes. Uh, on Sunday, those games are so fascinating, and it's such a great, and it's so great for the sport when you get more of those matchups. I don't know. Um, and I think we're get, and I think we're getting to an age in hockey where you're gonna see more games like that, where you're gonna see teams going, where you're gonna see teams going uh, a little more toe to toe in the scoring, and not just because, the, and not because the goaltending is lousy like it was in the '80s, but because the scoring, the offense is just that phenomenal. I think we're getting to that point in hockey where you're gonna see a lot more games like the Canucks and Hurricanes played on Sunday, just all across the board. I mean, we're gonna get into the to the Battle of Alberta stuff later in the episode because there was some great stuff coming out of there. But for now, we'll leave it the fact that the uh, the that uh, that uh, the Canucks and Canes played a pretty phenomenal game on Sunday, and even though the Canucks lost, hey, eleven points out of a possible twelve is something that is in no way is is not bad in any way, shape, or form. The Canucks are leading the Pacific Division by a little bit of a by a little bit. They got a little room. They got three points. They're up. They're up three points on next next Edmonton, and they do now. The one thing is they don't have a game in hand anymore. Edmonton does. But hey, they could they can they they've got room. They got the room. They just gotta they just gotta they still got that little bit of wiggle room, that one point extra. You those matter. Those are gonna come down. It's gonna come down to that in the Pacific Division, and um, and that starts of course back again tonight against Boston, who who they've got uh, on deck later tonight. Um, Boston, of course, is just you know. Bruins are leading the are leading the Atlantic because of course they are. They're doing so well right now. Um, it's the scoring. You like I mean Boston. The the key to beating the Bruins starts with David Pasternak shutting down David Pasternak, which is next to impossible to do. I mean seventy five points in fifty three games is unbelievable. He's scoring like at a phenomenal pace. He is far and away their best player and. You know, and yeah, it's gonna come down to that. It, I think Bo Horvat is probably gonna line up a lot against uh, against Pasta tonight. That Bo, that Horvat line. You know, you got Pearson, and uh, I don't know if Louis Erickson's gonna be there. I believe it's probably gonna, yeah, it's probably going to be Louis Erickson playing alongside him on that uh, the the along that third line because they've been a good shutdown pair. Although let's just uh, let's just ignore the empty netter against uh, or not the empty netter the um, the tying goal against the Islanders the other day. Um, they've been. They've been they've been a really good lineup. They've been finding ways to shut down opponents, especially late in the games. And I think you're going to, I think you're going to see a lot more of them um, against uh, against a lineup like David Poster, like David Poster Knox line with Marchand and Bergeron. It's a it's it's the most dangerous combo in hockey today, arguably. And you know when you've got, but the good news is when you have. Um, a for a line like Horvat, Pearson, and Erickson that can not only put the puck in the net but can also uh, just shut down your defensive role. That's such a that bodes really well, and that's what makes the Bruins lineup so special as well because they're so, they kind of have that ability to do the same thing. They're rarely on the ice for goals, and I think this is a big challenge for the Canucks. They obviously had success against them last year. They beat them twice. They beat the Bruins twice last season. 
um, uh, in both their meetings last seasons. Um, so I think there's there's reason. I don't see why the Canucks can't find a way to keep that top that Bruins top line at bay and walk away with two more points um, and keep the the winning ways going because they're still just red hot. They're playing very well. The Bruins are sitting at a pretty are sitting at a very decent record themselves. I mean, they're playing. They have they've. Uh, They've won seven of their last ten. They're doing they're doing just fine on their own. They're already at seventy four points this season. The Canucks. The, 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 this is a great challenge for the Canucks. If they can come out of this with not only a win but a, um, but like a like a true a guts a gutsy win where they really you could you this this is a statement moment for the Canucks that they can really prove that they can hang with the big boys like Boston and especially after the last time they went out against toe to toe against a pretty. Uh, up their opponent in the Tampa Bay Lightning and couldn't get it done. You you worry that you know maybe they're still a, they're they're definitely still a step behind, but this could prove that that step is getting shorter and shorter for them. And that's and that and that's what this that's what this game could mean for them tonight. Especially if you throw in if you throw in a, and that, the idea of Jacob Markstrom being able to outplay a goaltender like Tuka Rask, which is most likely what we're going to get tonight in goal. That's going to be such a confidence boost for this entire group if they can get that done. Now, we have to address the elephant in the room, being that people still think that Quinn Hughes isn't isn't deserving of the Calder Trophy, and. And they're saying this after he came out with a amazing performance against the Islanders on Saturday. We had two goals, including the overtime winner, and he had a point. He had a goal against the Sharks as well. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here, we're here to we're here to speak some truth. I've been seeing a lot more people on Canucks Twitter getting. I don't want to say not up in arms. That's the wrong word, but getting um, frustrated at the lack of people, of the lack of people voting for. Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr seems to be like a landslide lock for this Calder Trophy, despite the fact that let's talk about the fact that a he's played ten less games, and he doesn't have as many points. He has he has three less points. Look, you can go over the fact that oh, but he has more points per game, but that doesn't matter. That didn't matter when Brock Besser, when Brock Besser had his great had a great had a great season compared to Clayton Keller. That didn't seem to matter. Or um, compared to Matt Matt Barzal, that was the Barzal year. My bad. It didn't seem to matter to anybody that Besser was playing on a team weaker, was playing on a weaker team, had almost as many points as Matt Barzell, but Barzell won anyway because Barzell won, even though he was playing on a better team. So, and now we've got another case this year where Kale McCarr is playing on a team that's way better. That's that's not way better, but better than the Canucks are. Than the Canucks are. And yet... And yet, Quinn Hughes has propelled that group, has propelled the Canucks to some heights that they have not expected to see. Like, he's a game-changing talent for this team, and yet he is not getting anywhere near the amount of love that Kale McCarr is, which is a low, which is a huge load of crap, because, let's be honest, because let's, let's not, let's not, let's not kid ourselves here, let's not mince words. Quinn Hughes is better than Kale McCarr. He is. He just is. And if you're going to say, oh, but he's played more, he's played more games and he has three points, yeah, he still has three more points. Why isn't that deserving of the Calder Trophy? Well, it, I th- it, usually it always goes to the player who gets the most points. Why are we all of a sudden going to change the rules here? We're just going to change the rules for Kale McCarr just because he plays on a team that most of the voters happen to live in, live in a time zone that's more convenient for them to watch the game? No. 
No, this is allowed. This is allowed. Kale, Kale McCart is no is playing on a better team. He has the handicap of playing with Nathan McKinnon and playing with Mika Rantanen. And I could go down the list. Could go on and on. In fact, let's pull up the list. Why don't we? Because he, because that's the that's the because this is what it's all about, right? Like, yes, the Canucks have Elias Pettersson. Yes, they have JT Miller. They have some great players. The Canucks have great players, but you can in no ways tell me that the Canucks. Are provi- that the that Quinn Hughes has benefited more from playing with the, his Canuck teammates than Kale McCarr has benefited from playing with his than Kale McCarr has benefited from playing with the Avalanche. You just can't look. Let look, look. Yeah, like look at the first line. The the like the the Avalanche have a first line of Nathan McKinnon, Mika Rin, and Gabriel Landeskog. Then they have you you could go down the list of some great names on this team like Nazem Kadri. He's playing on the second line. You've got Andre Burakovsky. You've I mean the the I mean the the Avalanche's fourth line could could points wise could absolutely swallow up just about any team. I mean, you've got Tyson Jost with Jonas Donskoy and Matt Nieto. Matt Nieto is a little bit of a question mark, but I mean, Jonas Donskoy is a third line, as at least a third liner on just about any other team, like at the lowest. And then you've got defensive groups like you got him. You got you've got Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson, Nikita Zadorov, and Ian Cole. You've got one of the best defensive groups in. The NHL, but you're actually, but somehow you're gonna sit here and tell me that Kale McCarr is Kale McCarr is playing against per sheltered minutes against easier opponents because he doesn't have to play because he doesn't have to play as great as great of opponents that Quinn Hughes does. Quinn Hughes has done more for the Canucks has done more for the Canucks than Kale McCarr has done for the Avalanche. It just it just is. If both of them went down with an injury, the Canucks would be far more affected. By that loss, then Kale McCarr, then then the Avalanche would be by losing Kale McCart. It just is. It's just facts. You can't. If you're gonna try and sit here and complain to me that he that yeah he's put that he's played less games and whatnot, sure you can do that. But the fact is, he has less points, and that's how this trophy is usually judged. If we're gonna start, you can't just start changing the rules just because your guy's winning. That's not how it goes. If we're gonna if we're gonna sit here and we're gonna complain like that, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and complain. This is this is the year that Quinn Hughes deserves to win the Calder. Kale McCart is not is should not. That's that's if Quinn Hughes doesn't win if Kim, Quinn Hughes finishes the season with more points than Kale McCart, which he will, and doesn't and doesn't get the Calder Trophy, it's because the NHL's voting staff doesn't know what they're doing. It's doesn't know good and it doesn't know good talent when they see it. That's just how it goes at the end of the day. They're gonna doesn't know doesn't can't actually judge talent. So yeah, Kale. So let's so uh, let me get off my soapbox here and just let's you know let's leave it at that. Quinn Hughes is better than Kale McCarr. He just is. He it's he just is. And you can leave all the angry messages you want for me, Avalanche fans. It's just true. It's just the truth. I can't help it that I'm being too real. <laughs> Uh, oh, I can't even get. Okay, I couldn't get through that part. I, I, I should. No one should ever hear me say I can't. I'm, I'm being too real. That's just not true. That, that part's not true most of the time. But he, but Quinn Hughes is better than Kale McCarr, and that's, that's, and that, that is a fact. Um, another, another defenseman who has done well for the Canucks of late has been Tyler Myers, who is actually scoring points and like on a good, at a pretty decent pace, and. 
I don't think any, and I said this before, I on um, on Twitter, I don't think anybody saw that coming, saw that possibility coming where they could see where they could see Tyler Myers going on a little bit of a scoring heater. It's it's good to see. He still has a lot of issues defensively. He's made some very questionable calls in his own end. I think, like, uh, against the Islanders, the Islanders was one of those games where he really seemed to be making a lot of mistakes in his own end of the ice and not helping his goaltenders out as much as he could. But he's scoring points, and that is something that the... That the that he has struggled with over the, that he had struggled, that he, I wouldn't say struggled with, but he had a little bit of a tougher time going. Now look at him, he's got points. He's got a few points in his last little bit. He's got two goals in last three games. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's coming off, that's coming off a point where he had, um, he hadn't had a point in about, uh, 20 days. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing his job and he's doing his, he's not doing his role, like his defensive role as well as he can, but hey, he's getting a couple goals. And when you're getting scoring from places that you don't expect to, that's how you win. That's how you win. That's win. That's what creates championship teams. So... Uh, so yeah, that's that's how that's Tyler that's Tyler Myers in a nutshell. He's gonna score in a little bit of bunches every now and then. Hopefully, he continues that tonight against Boston. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but he's um, but yeah, it's good to see him getting points and getting and the Canucks getting more points from unexpected sources like that of late, and that's why they've had success over this last six game run. Um, and I think that's enough Canuck talk for now, because uh, we're gonna jump into my new to our to my new seg to a new segment, which will eventually have theme music. Elvis Merzlikens watch, <laughs> um, because uh, as I as I talked about in a past episode, this is the the Crease Cast is the official Vancouver chapter of the Elvis Merzlikens fan club. So every now and then we have to check in with our boy, with our Latvian boy Elvis and see how he's doing in as the current f- number 1 goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is and he, let me say he's doing quite well. He's got 7 wins in a row including a 4-3 win against Montreal on uh, back on February 2nd and it is likely uh, with Jonas Corposalo still out nursing an injury that we will get him again tonight. Uh, when the Blue Jackets face off against the against a, a goaltender by the name of Sergei Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers, I believe I don't believe this is Bobrovsky's return to Columbus. I think there has been a Panthers game. The Panthers have visited Columbus uh, before this. Uh, but hey, but hey, this is this is a big this is a big uh, litmus test for. Elvis Merzlikens going up against the longtime franchise goaltender for the Jackets, getting a chance to be like, all right, I'm going to prove myself against the best goaltender in franchise history because I'm the next one. He and you better believe he is. Um, and let's let's talk about the fact that um, Elvis Merzlikens during this time uh, with Corpusalo gone, which was a huge loss for the Jackets because Corpusalo is a great goaltender in his own right. The Jackets are third in the, the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, I bet you didn't think about that. Like, I bet you hadn't checked that, realized that, right? Like, I certainly hadn't before doing research for this episode. They are currently tied with the Flyers with 65 points in the division, but in row, they have, in the regulation wins, they have 28, 20, 20, all 28 of their uh, their wins appear to have, or regulation overtime wins, um, have come in 
overtime have come in regulation or overtime, whereas the Flyers, out of their 29 wins, 24 of them have come in regulation or overtime with another five in shootouts. So the Jackets haven't needed shootouts to win any games this season. Um, and that's that's good. And that really helps you out uh, get when it comes to fighting for playoff positions. So they've got a They've got, they, they're a win behind, but they're doing very well with the regulation points. And a lot of that, again, comes down to the goaltending. Corpus Allo was very good before he went down, and Elvis Merzlikens is doing, and Elvis is doing phenomenally in his, in his, with him out of the lineup. Now there is, I mean, there's a shot, honestly, that when Corpus Allo comes back, you might see Merzlikens stay in net for a while. I mean, it's a good problem to have when you have uh, two goaltenders who are just as capable of carrying a team. I mean, just ask the Canucks with Markstrom and Demko. I mean, it's such a good problem to have that healthy competition for the net, especially after Merzlikin started off pretty poorly. I believe he started 0-5 or 0-6 to start his career in the NHL. So the fact that he's come back with such a vengeance is phenomenal. Um, And before we head into more NHL stuff and... Um, Merzlikens, he has a t-shirt. He has an actual t-shirt. It says Elvis on it. It says, love me goaltender on it, If you, <laughs> which I think is amazing, and I will definitely be buying one at some point. Um, I'll leave a link to that t-shirt if you want to join, uh, help support uh, the, the Elvis Merzlikens. If you want to be a part of the Elvis Merzlikens fan club, uh, you should definitely get that shirt. <laughs> because I am not being paid to say that. I'm just the fan club Vancouver chapter president so I feel like it's my duty to let you know when there's good merch available um and that's and that's how it goes there's also been some good merch available in Calgary of late I don't know if you saw the shirt there was another t-shirt that came out in Calgary for the flame store of David Riddick doing the bat flip or the stick flip after um after he won the after they won the Battle of Alberta shootout in Edmonton uh, on Wednesday, it and um, and because that ba- the Battle of Alberta has taken a huge step forward into some great hockey of late. Um, there was the big game against the Oilers. There was a big there's the big game on uh, Saturday between Edmonton and Calgary. The Oilers won eight to th- eight to was it eight to three or was it eight to five? I might have the notes wrong on that one. Either way, they. Thumped Calgary. They thumped Calgary in Calgary after losing to them in a shootout, and then there were there was a, a giant line brawl and a goalie fight. A goalie fight between Cam Talbot and um, Mike Smith. Now, poor Mike Smith. Poor, or not Mike Smith. Not poor Mike Smith. Poor Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot had to come out and fight Mike Smith, which is already fighting above your weight class. But he was the backup goaltender. He kind of had to go out and. Uh, make this fight happen. He had come in in relief of David Riddick, who had gotten lit up um, after, who had gotten lit up earlier in the game. He goes and fights Cam Talbot, and because the NHL is weird, they throw out the goaltenders if they fight. They throw them out of the game. They're done. Cam Talbot, uh, Cam Talbot fights Mike Smith, gets thrown out, and David Riddick has to come back in. And that sucks. Like, the poor, like I feel bad for both goaltenders in that scenario because I don't think, I don't think Cam Talbot should have been thrown out of a game for fighting. I don't think, I, I don't think any goaltender, if the players aren't getting thrown out of a game for, for fighting, why should the goaltenders? It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. 
I don't. I, it's a stupid rule that's in there in the NHL rulebook for some reason that doesn't make any sense. And you know, if you're, as long as you're going to allow fighting, they should be allowed to. They should be allowed to jump in and then not get penalized for it for the rest of the night because they're just because they wear different equipment. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but also, just David Rick was already having a tough night, but and uh, and, and Talbot was supposed to do the cl- perform the cleanup duty and had done pretty well up to that point. And you, now then Riddick had to come in and got pummeled a little bit more. It was that it was that issue of the Oilers. The Oilers kind of feasted on the Flames on the Flames goalies that night and just kind of got the better of them. Not just not just not just on the scoreboard, but mentally too. And you know, it. I will say this: the entertainment value of Flames and Oilers games has been amazing this year. Like. I rem- like the Canucks were playing the Sharks on the same night as the the first battle this week, where Ke- Zach Cassian was coming back after his suspension for the Matthew Kachuk fight uh, from a couple weeks before the from the week before the All Star break. And I rem- and there was a lot a part of me that was like, I mean, Canucks are playing, but I kind of want to watch the Flames and the Oilers instead because the Canucks were playing the Sharks, and it was one of those games where it's like, okay, you know the Canucks are going to... You kind of knew the Canucks were going to go out and stomp the Sharks into oblivion, so why watch that game when you could watch the absolute war on ice that you were going to get from the Oilers and the Flames? Um, I did have both... I did compromise and have both on the screen at the same time because, you know, Canucks always are going to take first first place in my heart at the most part. Uh, but the game on Saturday, which I missed, I am sad I missed it because, man, did it look like a fun game. And, you know, there was the whole little bit, the Oilers were all upset about the bat about the bat flip by Riddick, and then uh, Riddick came back with the comments of, like, are we not allowed to have fun and celebrate in this league anymore? And I'm like, yeah, damn right. You're allowed to have fun. Have fun. I loved the bat. I loved the bat flip, and I hope... And I'm kind of sad I didn't think to do it in I didn't think to do it in my adult league first <laughs> when I won a when I win a big game. So I think it's great. I think the sport needs more games like this. And I think more importantly, that when the Oilers and the Flames beat each other up, it only means good things for the Canucks. Because I think the I think at the end of the day, there's a very good chance we're gonna get Oilers Flames as one of the matchups in the first round of the playoffs with the Canucks playing whoever their the wild card is in that divi- their wild card opponent is and oh man like how good for the Canucks would it be if the Flames and Oilers just beat each other up for seven games for like a six or seven game series and the Canucks get to like and then the Canucks get to take on the tired loser like or the tired winner that's a good that's good that's only this only means good things for the Canucks when the Flames and the Oilers hate each other it only means good things for the Canucks and their ability to get past them in the in the playoffs so Let's see if they. So I think I th- I say they just need to keep they need to keep fighting even more. The Oilers Flames have at each other. Just go to war for the for the rest of the season. I don't think they meet again for a while, but they they beat each other up in the last few games uh, enough to last a lifetime. So that's all. So you know, good on you. Good work. Keep it keep it up, please. Um, also in terms of beating up people, uh, or I should I say not beating up people, Gritty was cleared of his assault allegations. Um, they were found to be unfounded, and I will say that story sounded very fishy right from the beginning. Um, there was essentially, uh, I don't think I talked about it earlier on, 
uh, but essentially a dad accused Gritty of beating up his, uh, his or punching his son. It was, let's see, this is from Emily Kaplan of the of ESPN. Uh, Philadelphia police said on Monday that they have closed their investigation into a claim that the famous Flyers mascot Gritty punched a 13-year-old boy during a November 19th event at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, the incident was first reported uh, by the Philadelphia Choir. Flyers season ticket holder Chris Greenwell told the Inquirer that his son Brandon playfully patted Gritty on the head after their photo was taken at a November event and walked away. Gritty said, Greenwell said, Gritty left his chair, took a running start, and punched my son as hard as he could. Greenwell said his son was diagnosed with a back bruise and provided the Inquirer with documents from a chiropractor. Um, and then there were, um, but there were some questions, um, um, around the, I think around the, that story, especially because, uh, essentially the guy complained first about the photo not being good, even though he was using, not being good enough. And then he complained about gritty punching. So uh, I, it kind of felt like one of those, they were mad about the photo. Now we're going to just try and get some money out of you and try and cancel this, like get some money out of this company for a popular character. Cause it didn't seem real. It seemed like one of those very bogus things. All of a sudden, okay, so you have an issue with the photo you got at this event. And th- but then only after it's not good, at, after they can't do anything about it, you decide that you and like because they tried to get like their kid like free stuff from the flyers and when that didn't happen they're like well gritty punch my kid it's like okay i don't believe none of this seems real none of this seems true this seems like one of those cases of dad trying to goad some free stuff out of a company out of a company and you know i wouldn't say i i usually i like to you know i would say in most cases it's important to take this stuff really seriously but like i don't know this had a lot of red flags to me this had a this this particular story had a lot of red flags and so i think a good rule of thumb is if the dad is complaining about something you know is is complaining about something completely unrelated and then goes into uh, mascot punch my kid. Maybe the mascot punching his kid wasn't exactly a priority in the first place. I'm just gonna. That's and I feel like and yeah, the Philadelphia police cleared that, and as I kind of expected them to, I would have been shocked if they had kept going forward with that. Um, another and just uh one last big story to talk about as we head into the. We head into the, the, the trade deadline season. Um, Dustin Bufflin's contract is likely going to be terminated by the Winnipeg Jets, which uh, I just can't. I, I kind of forgot about this story, honestly. Like, I forgot this was a thing for a long time. Um, um, but essentially, according to Frank Saravelli of TSN, the Jets and Dustin Bufflin are heading towards a, multi- a mutual contract termination over the next several days, um, ending a suspension. Basically, it had to do with an injury um, he sustained. Uh, as, as he sustained last season, um, but I guess there were issues about how he want if whether he wanted to play a lot of other stuff. There was just it was a really it's a really like weird story just like there was talk that he didn't want to play anymore he thought of retiring um there were injury there were questions of whether the jets had had properly uh looked after his injury and they and the jets have done pretty well even without him in the lineup so you could see them not really like this isn't this isn't a headache they really need to have in dustin bufflin 
I don't I, I I don't know whether he's gonna come back. I mean, I'm sure there are teams out there that if he's healthy would want him, although he hasn't skated in a, he hasn't skated, I think, in a very long time. But I mean, if there is anyone who would like Dustin Bufflin to try and come back and get a contract before the trade deadline, it's TSN and all the channels covering trade deadline because just looking at the trade bait list, oof, it is uh, it's not good. It's not a good list. It's uh, when when your first when your first um, point potential point uh, your first poten- your highest potential trade bait guy is Chris Kreider, who is like a decent player, but. <laughs> Not exactly, uh, uh, not exactly a game-changing pickup for most teams. Um, yeah, maybe you're. Maybe this isn't shaping up to be the greatest trade deadline in the world. Um, but yeah, Dustin Bufflin. Hopefully, he comes back. I obviously, you, you. If this is an issue, not just of injury, but of just like personal health stuff, which it, I think has been talked about possibly being a thing. He's just you know, ha- happens sometimes. Hopefully, when he's ready to come back, he will. Um, hopefully this stuff gets sorted, settled with the Jets pretty quickly, and, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a tough story for everybody, particularly for Dustin Bufflin. Hopefully he does come back, even though we didn't like, we didn't like him as a forward in Chicago, but we, you know, we respected him as a defenseman in Winnipeg, so, you know, it's, hopefully he, he does come back in some way, shape, or form. Uh, either this season or next. And uh, with that, I think we're going to call this episode right here. Um, this has been the Crease Cast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed the show, uh, go feel free to check out my Patreon, patreon.com for slash lock in the crease for uh, three bucks a month. You get four extra episodes of the crease cast, including, uh, an episode I've been, uh, including the bonus episode this week, which I believe I'll be doing on the bachelor. (laughs) There was a three hour episode of the bachelor last night, which I'm just like, okay, I'm not looking forward to watching that one as much, but Hey, we've got, I'm going to be doing a recap on the first five episodes of the show, including champagne gate and all the Alea drama. Uh, but we'll, and we'll get in, we'll get into that. And, uh, they will get into that in the bonus episode this week, which is, I think, the leading poll getter, but if you join the Patreon, you can go and vote on a couple other options. We can talk more about Quinn Hughes. Um, I think one of the other ones we discussed, uh, there's, a, there's a few more. I can try and pull them up. But yeah, right now one of the things is, if you're a member of the Patreon, you can vote on a couple of the episodes I do and like what the topics are. And right now, yeah, the, the leading vote getter with two is a Bachelor recap. You can talk, we'll talk, we can talk more about Seattle, we can do more about uh, the Battle of Alberta. You got lots of options. You can even leave a comment if there's one you want to see an episode t- topic you want to see from me uh, in the next little while. So go uh, check that out. Um, three bucks a month. There's also a also we're working on a five. Do- I'm working on a five dollar tier. Uh, a new five dollar tier for the. Um, for the four patrons, which will get you a free sticker, uh, a free sticker every every year. So there, you get a free sticker on the first uh, the first purchase. So that's pretty cool. Um, a free crease a free crease cast sticker. So if you're interested in that, uh, go check that. That should be available soon. Um, and yeah, if you're if you you can also uh, you can also uh, check you can also just check out help me out by checking out my work at a couple of the websites I'm writing at these days. Uh, I write of course I do stuff of course on my own website lockinthecrease.com, but you can check me out on doing Canuck stuff at passitdebulis.com. 
um, or vancouverisawesome.com slash canuckshockey. Same website, just different ways to get there. Um, I also write for Daily Hive Offside, which is dailyhive.com slash offside. And I have some Sharks articles still coming out for Fear the Fin at fearthefin.com before I call it quits there in the the next uh, few months. So be sure to check that out. Guests are... Start, we're, we're, I'm working on a schedule for guests when I get back to Vancouver hopefully we'll have a couple coming in um, you'll never know we'll see but until then thank you for listening this has been the Crease Cast I've been Locke in the Crease and I will see you next time and I'm gonna go out and enjoy the Seattle rain it's different than the Vancouver rain trust me take care <laughs>